we welcome you to the REST podcast. The messages you will hear have been taken from sessions from past REST conferences. We pray that God will use this message to encourage and strengthen you in your walk with the Lord and your ministry for Him. Oh, man. I, you know, I retired from pastoring uh, about five years ago, four and a half, five years ago, and uh, started preaching out in other churches. And often I'm asked this question, Brother Edwards, it's pretty discouraging out there, isn't it? And, and I want you to know very honestly from my heart, no, not at all. <laughs> there, there are some great young men out there preaching, and I love the return to Bible preaching that is going on across this nation. There, there are real uh, young men and their wives in leading churches preaching the Word of God, still with a passion for souls, but also with a real commitment to discipling those that they win to Christ. And I personally am very encouraged and very excited about what I see. So be encouraged about the future. I think God is still doing something, don't you? You know the amazing thing? God is still doing something in you and I. I'd have given up on you a long time ago, but He's still working. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to Psalm 31, would you please? Now, Brother Pauly and Brother Hooks are the sharp, well-delivered guys. I just yell a lot, okay? Psalm 31, and let me just share with you from my heart. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I got saved in 1975 back in Landmark Baptist Temple. Uh, Maybe you remember Dr. John Rawlings. That was my preacher. That's where I got saved. And uh, went off to Baptist Bible College, and it was a wonderful place when I was there. It it was uh, what I needed in my heart and our lives. Uh, We went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we were youth pastors for about five years. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, we planted a church in Woodbridge, Virginia. If you don't know where Woodbridge, Virginia is, that's okay. It is 20 miles south of the Washington Monument, just part of the D.C. Metroplex. And God allowed us to be there for 37 years. We left there in June of 2018 and have been on the road preaching since that time. Uh, We left our beloved Virginia because we could not stand I-95 anymore. You understand that if you've ever gone through there. And we now live in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, if you ever want a difficult task, my son is my pastor. He's my spiritual authority, and every once in a while I have to do what he tells me to do. And I find it very difficult, very difficult indeed. But God has certainly blessed our lives. And uh, I understand where you are. I understand what it takes to pastor a church. And I may not have had the exact experiences that you have, but boy, I've been at the top of the mountain, and I have been way down at the bottom of that thing as well, and everything in between. And you know what? God can sustain us, and God can help us, and God is still doing a great work. Psalm 31, this thought tonight, my times, God's hands. My times, God's hands. Look at verse 14 to begin. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. 
deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant and save me for thy mercy's sake. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this time and for this opportunity. Thank you so much for just uh, these men and their wives, all the ministries that they represent, the various locations, the various types of ministries. And Lord, we're gathered here not because we have everything squared away. We're here because we are very needy people. And we need the help of your Holy Spirit. We need your Spirit to take your word and speak truth to us, minister to our hearts where we are. I pray that you would instruct us. I pray, Lord, where we need to be challenged, that you would convict us. And I pray that you would encourage us tonight. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I see that passage, and I see David say, but I trusted in thee, O Lord, thou art my God. And in that verse, I hear a real cry from the bottom. Have you ever been to the place in ministry in life where you were pretty sure it was just reduced to you and God? And you cried out, thou art my God, almost in a question, thou art my God, aren't you? You do remember where I am, don't you? And I ask myself, why did David cry out that way? Well, the answer is back in verse 9. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. Almost sounds like a week of pastoring, doesn't it? My life, he says in verse 10, is spent with grief and my years with sighing. He adds to it, my strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. Here's the truth. Not only do we have the difficulty that the world brings upon our lives, not only do we have the trying of ministry things, we also have the fact that we can mess things up ourselves and that we can bring stuff upon our own lives. And, and the truth is that David is in one of those spots that he often found himself in when he just has to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I am in trouble. You can add the word again if you want, but David is in trouble. And in his cry out to the Lord, he says something that, that I really think can be of great benefit to us. He reminds us when he says, My times are in thy hands. One of the realities of our lives is, is that the world, we experience seasons of stress. One of the things that I often receive calls, and I, I truly appreciate the calls that I receive, but really dozens and dozens of pastors will call me and just looking for a friend, looking for some counsel, looking for some encouragement, and, and I'll hear uh, what they say and boy, they're in a time of stress in their life. I, I've, been, I've had a lot of calls about the pandemic. You know, pastor, if I decide that we ought to wear masks, about half my church pats me on the back. But if I say we ought to have masks, the others think I'm communist. 
And pastor, if I, if I say we're going to run the service this way, about half love me for it and about half hate me for it, and, and I'm just about ready to throw my hands up, I, I don't know which way to turn. And, and if the pandemic was the only thing, but all the cares that come onto a pastor's heart and into a pastor's life with all the things that swirl around us, uh, not to say anything about our own needs and our, our own problems and our own sources of stress. I can be a very pessimistic person. I'm a fundamental Baptist preacher. I'm good at it, all right? I don't like anything. I don't want anybody to ever have fun. I'm against everything. And sometimes I, I sing to myself, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You ever live like that? And, and sometimes I'll say things like this to myself. Why, why does everything have to be so, so hard? And then I snap myself out. Well, my wife snaps me out of it. <laughs> hey, listen, we're not the first generation to face stress. We're not the first generation to face trouble. I, I doubt very seriously if any of us truly faced the level of difficulty that David faced in his life. I mean, I know as a boy, I did not kill a bear. I did not kill a lion. I know as a boy, I did not have to face a giant. I know there was never a time in my life where I had a king who was chasing me, seeking to kill me. I've never had a kingdom the size of David's kingdom to manage. I'm just saying sometimes we can make our problems, we add multipliers in our thinking about our problems. And the truth is, we're not the first generation that has faced stress. And as a matter of fact, what we need to do is take a look at what David realized about his life and make some of that same application to our own lives. And so I draw your attention to those two phrases, my times and if you will, God's hands. Think about it with me first of all, my times. David's life and our lives are marked by changes and marked by instability. Did you know that we have never known a whole generation in the world that just had a stable, no problem lifetime? that there have been world problems and real difficulties ever since Adam and Eve walked out of that garden. That word David uses for times is a word that indicates seasons or changeableness. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment, but I, I want to give you a thought that I think can be a help to us. We live our lives in seasons. The truth is, we live in a world that has seasons. I don't say it to sound foolish or silly, but if you noticed a while ago or pretty soon, the sun is going to go down. And I want to encourage your heart because in about 12 hours, the sun is going to come back up. Stick around tomorrow night about the time I preach and the sun will go down again. You say, preacher, we knew that. Yeah, but did you know that God gave that so that you would know something about change? That He is sovereign over change? We live our life in seasons. 
right now we are in the most disgusting human season that we have ever experienced in my life. It is 98 degrees in Charlotte, and the humidity is 186%. But we are coming to that wonderful season called fall. <laughs> and it's going to get wonderfully crisp in the morning and beautiful in the trees. And then we are going to come to that other disgusting season called winter. But it's going to come to spring. You say, preacher, do you have a point in this? Yes. We live our lives in seasons. You are alive today in a season in your life. We didn't start life where we are now. We were born, remember, as infants. I was there. My mother was there. The doctor was there. And I was completely dependent upon her and my father for everything in my life. But that season of my life ended. And I grew into a new season, the toddler season, and I was a delight when I was a toddler. And then to a junior. And then to my elementary years. And then I grew into that season of life where I didn't need parents or teachers or anybody. I was a teenager. And then I grew into those college years and I needed mother and dad again because I had tuition bills. And then I became a young man who found a young lady. And we became young parents. And we had wonderful years raising our children and they left us because our season was changing. And then we found ourselves as empty nester and life was good again. And then this happened. And now we're seniors, almost back to infancy. <laughs> and it just keeps changing and moving and changing and moving. And newsflash, this body is marching to death. And every day I live, it changes, it moves. It's never the same. And sometimes at this stage of life, I get frightened when things aren't the same and they're different from what I'm used to and what I'm comfortable with and what I like. And it just keeps moving and moving and moving. And David looks up into the eyes of God and says, I'm living in this changing place. My times. I was in the hospital one time, and one of my favorite visits to make was to a new mother and father. And I was in the room, and the mother was over there sitting in a rocking chair with the child, rocking the child and kind of singing to it, paying no attention to me, the reverend who had come. And I was talking to her husband, and I overheard her say to the baby, Oh, I just wish you could always stay my little baby and it would just always stay like it is now. And that fundamental Baptist preacher in me wanted to turn to her and say, well, it ain't going to stay, lady. That child's going to grow up and leave you and tear your heart up. But I fought it. 
I'm just saying it's always moving. Hey, did you know that ministry lives in seasons? Boy, I could just, I remember in pastoring Heritage and starting Heritage that it was just one season we would go soul winning and we would study the Bible and we would preach and people would get saved. And then I can remember another season we would study the Bible and go soul winning and preach and nobody got saved. And then we would preach and study and go soul winning and people would get saved. And I just wondered, why can't it always be the season I like? Because life's not like that. Because life is always moving and always changing. Hey, one day David was sitting on a hillside tending his sheep, playing his harp, and singing his songs. And the next moment he's dragged down and anointed to be king of what he doesn't even know or understand. One day he's standing with his foot on Goliath's neck and the next day he's dodging a spear thrown by Saul. One day he's the king of a kingdom. The next day he finds himself waking in a cave because his own son has rebelled against him. Seasons. Seasons. But in truth, we live in seasons. Sometimes we think because we are attached to the Lord by faith that seasons ought always to be comfortable and seasons ought always to be good and seasons ought always to be acceptable to us. But our faith does not guarantee that. Our faith only guarantees that in the season we find ourselves, pleasant or not pleasant, stressful or peaceful, that God will be present with us and hold our season in his life. David says, my times may be unstable, my times may be ever-changing, but my God is stable and unchanging. I won't take you there for the sake of time, but if we went back and reread those first three verses, we would see David talking about God as a rock, God as a fortress, God as a house of defense. And then he makes his complaint about his sighing and grieving and his seasons always changing, but his God never, ever changes. You know, in all of my ministry, I tried to be careful and preach doctrinal messages. And I loved the omnis, didn't you? Omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. But I'll tell you, one of the greatest blessings we have in our life is that our God is immutable. That God never changes. And the wonderful thing that David realized was in this ever-moving stream of change, when he never knew what the next 24 hours could present, his God never, ever changed. He's always stable. God never changes. Let me add two thoughts to that. Not only is our God immutable, but get ready for this. He is sovereign. Sovereign. 
The word David uses for times is the same word that Daniel uses when he makes this statement. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His, and He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and to knowledge to him that know understanding. And to everything he then says in Ecclesiastes 3, there is a season and a time and every purpose under the heaven. Put it together. What is David saying? Hey, I know that my God does not change. And my my times, my seasons of change are in the hands of a sovereign God who has a purpose for every season that He allows on earth. There's a purpose in summer. There's a purpose in fall. There's a purpose in winter. There's a purpose in spring. There's a purpose in day. There's a purpose in night. There's a purpose in stressful times in ministry. There's a purpose in times when things are so difficult. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We we can only look to the Lord. There's a purpose in every season He allows in our lives. There's a purpose in the season of those little infants. There's a purpose when we dress them and send them off to kindergarten. I used to love to watch the mommies cry at the kindergarten. And I'd walk by and I'd say, there's a purpose in this. God has a purpose. They would shout for me to leave. There's a purpose in seeing them find that one for their lives. There's a purpose in being granddads and great-grandmas. There's a purpose in all of it. And our God, who, who makes the seasons, holds our lives in the midst of those seasons. And He's sovereign. You know what that says to me? God knows where I am in the season of life in which I find myself. God knows where He's taking me. And God knows how to get me there. I I won't spend much time on it, but God led Israel to the shores of the Red Sea on purpose. That wasn't God making a mistake. Moses didn't miss Google's turn. It was God that led them to that place. It was God that allowed the season of fear in their heart. Oh, by the way, it was God who opened the sea. It was God who brought the wind and dried the seabed out. It was God who got them to the other side. It was God who closed the sea on that Egyptian army. It was all God because God is sovereign and God knows where we are and God knows what we need and God knows where He's taking us and God knows how to get us there. Now, having said all that, let me say this. God is not only sovereign. That's big, and I like to say that. Can I tell you what I'm really excited about? That same God who is sovereign is also personal. When we preach and live our lives as ministers, it's not some just academic pursuit. It's personal. 
David over and over and over again said, Thou art my God. I am so glad that in our faith, we do not say, Thou art the God, although that is true. We say, Thou art my God. I so appreciated what Brother Polly reminded us of. To never get too far from your salvation. To never get so far from when Christ saved you that it's just academic. It's just a a, a ministry pursuit. It's personal, man. And the same God who orchestrates history. By the way, the same God, God already knows who's going to win in November. God already knows if it's a red wave. God already knows how this ends, and it's okay. God has it under control. That's a wonderful thing to say, but here's what I love. God met with me in my living room this morning. God spoke to me. God helped me. God knows what I need. God knows where I'm hurting. God knows what I'm afraid of. You're afraid of stuff? Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Say, you're afraid of dying? No, but I am very concerned about how. (laughs) Can I just be honest with you? (laughs) I'd like to get a memo on that. See, my responsibility in all this flow of great events that I am just a little piece of, you know what my great responsibility is? It's what David said again. I trust the Lord. But I I trusted in thee. But wait a minute, if God's sovereign, isn't he just going to do it anyway? Yeah. But God's personal and I want him to know I trust him. Personal trust in a sovereign, personal God gives us inner stability when everything around us is in upheaval. When I trust God in a stressful situation, he does not always, as a matter of fact, he doesn't even regularly remove the source of the stress but he speaks peace into my heart and puts stability in my life regardless of how the ship is tossing to and fro. I love the thought that when they were on the sea and the storm descended upon them, and by the way, the storm was a surprise when they pushed off from the land to go to the other side. It was a beautiful evening. But the storm came upon them, and when the storm came upon them and Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the ship, they spoke to him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And you know what he did. Of course he cares. 
And he got up and he spoke a word and the seas laid down and the winds calmed and the storm went away because God is able to do that. And they were wonderfully blessed because God had worked in their moment of stress in that way. But can I remind you of something? God doesn't always remove the storm. Well, there was a storm on the Mediterranean called Euryclidon one time. And Paul got down in the belly of that ship, and Paul was a man of prayer, preacher. Paul could get a hold of God, and he prayed, and he asked the Lord, Hey, 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 it's a stressful moment here. God didn't stop Euryclidon. Well, did God have an answer for him? Yes, because God knew exactly where he was going to take him, and God knew how he was going to get there, and it was marvelous. Thank goodness Paul had all those swim lessons as a child. He went in the water, and you know what God did? Brought a piece of wood by. And that little Jew floated on that piece of wood. Hey, God can do it with an ark or a piece of wood. God doesn't always stop the storm. Sometimes He just lets it blow and blow and blow and blow. And, and I want to tell you what's marvelous in our eyes is when we get on shore and we understand that the storm wasn't bigger than our God. God doesn't always pull the thorn out. Sometimes God lets the thorn just stay in there. What is my responsibility when God doesn't pull the thorn out? My responsibility is to trust Him because my times are in His hands. Well, there were times when I was pastoring that honestly, if you'd have asked me, I was the smartest guy on the planet. You say, preacher, are you being serious? That's how stupid I am. Take a look around and God is blessing and you're building and you think, man, I can pass and in less than 24 hours, that storm can descend, and you are on your face before the Lord saying, I forgot, I forgot, I'm a child, I'm a child, I'm a child, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know. And you say to yourself, those seasons have a purpose. God really knows what He's doing. There were other seasons where, boy, it was just so dark and, and it seemed to go on forever and you just would wonder, is God finished with me? You ever heard that one? I, I, God was done with me probably three, four hundred times. He was trying to convince me to be done with me. But I trust Him. You trust Him. You trust Him. Two things, and I'm almost done. In conclusion, let me make two observations. Number one, the time to prepare for stress is every day. <laughs> the time to prepare for stress and troublesome times is every day. Sometimes we get in a comfortable season and we forget just how desperately dependent upon the Lord we are. I don't know how. Maybe it doesn't happen to you, but it sure used to happen to me. 
And I would just think there were times that I had it and God would have to show me I didn't have it. Then I would say this. There are times when you feel absolutely overwhelmed. And you may be, but God never is. A few times that we went to an ocean, we had three children. Our oldest was Melissa and then Christopher and Joshua. And on the few times that we would go to the ocean, I, I used to love to do an experiment. And I wanted my children to see the ocean. I wanted them to see the bigness, the vastness of God and His creation. And I mean that sincerely. But I would pick them up because I wanted them to, I wanted them to experience the ocean. And uh, I would pick them up. Maybe they were three, I don't know, maybe four years old. And I would begin to walk out into the ocean and the waves would begin to hit me. And they thought that was great. Hey, Daddy, it was wet. And I would take a little bit further out, go a little further out, and, and it would get up to my mid and might kind of grab their feet. They, ooh, that's cold, Daddy. And I would continue to go out, and you could see the change when the ocean was not just hitting me, it was now hitting them about mid-chest. And by the way, at this point, my wife is on the shore going, not one step further! (laughs) And with all of my children, I experienced the same thing. There was a moment where instead of grabbing my neck and holding on, they pushed. Trying to save themselves. I wasn't going to kill them, honest. But they, the fear, that they pushed away. Well, if we're not careful, that moment can seize us. And in that moment, we can make some of the worst decisions that can be made in a difficult season. We can decide things like, God is done with me. We can decide that all people are just a pain. We can get cynical and jaded in how we view people and we can think that they're all just wanting to use us. We can begin to wonder if ministry is worth it. We can wonder a lot of things. And I tell you that when we are beginning to feel overwhelmed, we need to remind ourselves that God is never overwhelmed. And that in that season, in that moment, in that place, God knows exactly what He's doing. He is sovereign. And that season in our life, hey, even if we are the cause of that season, David did not live a perfect life. Some of his deep moments were his doing and God still cared and God still loved and God still wanted to bring him through. And listen, ministry provides lots of moments where it's not our fault. It's not our poor living or decision. It's ministry. But God has a reason. God has a purpose for that season. And God knows exactly where you are. 
God knows exactly how high that wave is. God knows exactly how brokenhearted you are. God knows exactly what he's trying to teach you in that moment. And your sole responsibility in that season is to trust him. Because all of my seasons are held in his hand. And he never changes. He is utterly faithful. He is completely stable. He is sovereign knowing where I am, where he is trying to take me, how to get me there, how to resolve this issue. And oh Lord, when I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. That is never overwhelmed. Seasons. Sometimes... I don't like summer. Most of the time I do. And I'll say stuff like this to my wife. I want to move to Canada. And you know what I would say in Canada in January? I want out of here. I want to move to Florida. You know what I would say when Hurricane, whoever she is, is barreling down on us? I want out of here. You know what I would never say? I want to go to California. <laughs> don't, be, don't be frightened by the season you're in. Don't be dismayed by the season you're in. I'm not saying you to be silly and you just be happy. There are tough seasons. And in that season, God has you in his hand. My times, God's hands. He is never overwhelmed. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. We hope that the Lord has used this message to speak to you. The Rest Conference is a meeting designed to encourage and strengthen pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and their wives, along with other Christian workers serving the Lord in their local churches. Rest 2022 is scheduled for September 5th through the 7th at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. We hope that you and your spouse will make plans to be with us. For more information on Rest, please visit our website, therestconference.com.